0: So we are continuing and walking through Philippians, and like I said last week, it's kind of been more of a crawl than a walk. I think we're on week five now, and we're still in chapter one, but there's only four chapters, so it won't be that long, right? It's really, it, won't be, it can't be that much, and we're almost done. There's only one more week after this one in chapter one, so I'm going to start reading. Uh, I'm going to start in verse, chapter one, verses 18 through 26, and Says this, and I rejoice, and in this I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice because I know that this will lead to my deliverance through your prayers and from the help of the Spirit in Jesus Christ. My eager expectation and hope is that I will not be ashamed about anything, but that now, as always, with all boldness, Christ will be highly honored in my body, whether it is by my life or by death. For me, living is Christ and dying is gain. Now, if I live on in the flesh, this means fruitful work for me, and I don't know which one I should choose. I am pressured by both. I have a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary for you. Since I am persuaded of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you in your progress and joy in the faith, so that because of me, your confidence may grow in Christ when I come to you again. So... I was reading, as I was kind of reading this, this passage in the scripture text, I was, I was reading and studying just a couple different things, and one guy was telling this story. As he was kind of talking about this passage, he, st- he told a couple stories. Um, one was a fishing story. Anybody ever heard any fishing stories before? They're, they're pretty interesting, like, right? Like it was, how big was it? Well, it starts this big, and then it's like this big, right? The fish was huge. It was like a whale, right? Um, this is a different kind of fishing story than that. So it talks about this guy, in 1993, he goes fishing, And I can't even say his name. It was kind of a weird, I'll just say Bill. His name was Bill. The last name's like Jerky or something, Bill Jerky. I don't know. Um, Anyway, so this guy Bill goes fishing. And uh, as he's fishing, uh, he somehow gets up in these cliffs or something, and he falls, gets pinned under a boulder. So this is a fishing trip, like just going downhill quick, right? Um, He gets pinned under under a boulder, boulder, and after a long time being there, realizing no one's coming for him, he ends up having to cut off his leg. Best fishing trip ever, right? And so he ends up doing the crab walk. You guys ever done the crab walk? He has to do this crab walk to his car um, and drives himself to the hospital. Can you imagine having to do that after you cut off your leg and drive yourself to the hospital? That would be awful, right? Fun story, right? Another one uh, I was reading about was this guy in 2003 named Aaron Rayston. Um He was hiking in Utah. So stay away from Utah. He's hiking in Utah, and a rock falls on him, and he, like, gets pinned by his arm. So he's there for like six days, and you guys just feel encouraged to be at church this morning, right? He's, he's there for like six days, and after six days, no food, limited water, he has to cut off his arm, and he like goes to the road, he like finds his way to like, oh, oh, I missed out this part, he has to rappel down a 60-foot cliff. So he cuts off his arm, has to rappel down a 60-foot cliff, walks to the road where some people are driving by, they see him, pick him up, which... Just for the record, if 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 I ever see you, I don't. I know I, I love you, people, but if I see you like walking out with your arm cut off, I'm gonna be scared of you, right? I'm not stopping like, oh, there's a guy missing an arm. Let's see how we can help him out, right? Like they put him in the car and take him to the hospital, and uh, somehow he survived. And he wrote a book. Um, the most, he wrote this book, and it's like the most appropriate title. It's called "Stuck Between a Rock and a Hard Place." <laughs> and so. Anyways, you're like, what does that have to do with Jesus, right? The point, I guess, of that is people will do a lot to stay alive, right? I mean, I could never imagine a scenario where I would cut off part of my body to stay alive, but I've also never had my leg pinned underneath a boulder for six days, right? People will do incredible things to stay alive. And those are pretty extreme examples, but you think about just human nature, we 'll eat food that we hate, right we'll like work out, which most of us hate, right We'll do crazy things we'll go we'll spend tons of money on doctors for treatments. we'll do enormous amounts of things just to stay like crazy things to stay alive, right? But the question remains as we look at this scripture passage this morning, as we study it. Uh, one of the most famous scripture, just that scripture text, one that is definitely one of the most famous in Philippians, to live as Christ, to die as gain, right? People will do incredible things to stay alive, but the question remains as we study this, this text, what are you doing with that life? Like that, the life that we struggle with and will do anything to keep, the life that we'll do. Um, enormous, huge, amazing, like out of like incredible things to stay alive that we'll scrape and fight for to keep, what are we living it for? What what is like what are we what are we what are we doing with it? We'll scrap and fight to stay alive, but in the end, what do we live for? I think that as we Look at this text. Like we've we've talked about some pretty hard things so far. Like even even in the first few weeks, we've talked about um, some very I think at least for me some very challenging things. Like we talked in the first week about Paul, this missionary mindset that he has, where when he goes to these. Like we talked about how the church at Philippi started how it was planted where he goes into this town uh just following the holy spirit and he has these encounters with each of these individuals and as he sees these people he's not thinking of himself but he's thinking about them and he's thinking about them being saved like what is it in paul's life what is it that he has within him what is it about his mindset that when he lives his daily life he's not thinking about himself first but he's thinking about others what is it about Paul that as um, he's sitting in jail, he's sitting in prison, instead of feeling sorry for himself, instead of being upset, and he's not thinking about himself, he's thinking about, he's worshiping God. What is it about Paul that in the midst of suffering is thinking about his suffering being used for the benefit of the church? Like, what is it, what is in this dude's DNA that he can live like that, right? What, what's this guy's makeup? Like, this guy, what, what in the world, dude, right? I think that as we look at this, this text today, I think it answers a lot of that. I think it's almost like we get, a, get to peel back Paul's heart and we get to kind of see what is the basis, what is the foundation, what's behind that, why he can sit in jail and worship, right? And I think that if we could capture some of that, and I think maybe we have, like maybe that's in us already, right? But I think that like, if we could capture that, if we could live that, if we could build a culture based on that, with this, whatever this juice is, this special sauce that Paul seems to have, I think that some pretty amazing things could happen in our lives. I think that some pretty amazing things could happen in our community, in our church, in our city, if we could like learn to think the way that Paul thinks. And so we're just going to kind of walk through this just a little bit and and examine that like what is that as we peel this back what is that, that that Paul's living for what's that DNA what's that special sauce is it special sauce is it like a you know is is it like a secret system he figured out no the answer is no i'm going to start 18 but i'm going to start 18b he said and in this I rejoice this I will, I will rejoice because i know that this will lead to my deliverance through your prayers and help from the spirit of Jesus Christ. So Paul is kind of finished the way where we are right now. Is He's kind of finished reporting on his present situation. He's kind of done telling about himself. And he says, I love this. He says, in this, I rejoice. So I rejoice presently. I'm rejoicing right now. I'm praising God right now. But he says, and I will rejoice. So I love that. Again, if we're just talking about Paul's makeup, Paul's DNA, he's saying I'm rejoicing now, but he's also speaking to the future. He's saying, and I know that I will rejoice in the future. Like, like, what he's saying is my, the, my rejoicing, my worship, my praising God, my mindset, my spirit, uh, the way I feel about life isn't based on my situation. He's saying I'm rejoicing now where I am, and I'm telling you what, in the future, a week from now, two weeks from now, a year from now, I'm still going to be rejoicing. I'm still going to be praising God because my joy isn't found in circumstances, but it's found in something else. It's found in something else. What he's saying is everything can fall apart and I'm still going to sing because something is my treasure other than circumstance. And I, want, I thought that this was pretty cool. I wanted to point this out. If you notice, he says what's helping him in that through helping going to lead to his deliverance. And we don't know if that's deliverance from jail. Like Paul's talking about some dark stuff. Like he's talking about death, right? So we don't know if he's talking about deliverance, like, like I'm deliverance from this world into heaven or just deliverance from, from jail. But what he says is, is, I know that what's going to lead to my deliverance is through the spirit of Christ and your prayers. And I thought that this was pretty cool. I wanted to kind of mention this. Notice that he's saying that something that's helping him through this time are the prayers of the church. It's, it's, he's saying that I'm in a lot of ways I'm relying, not, not like need, like I can't do this without your prayers, but he's saying something that's encouraging me, something that's helping me, something that's building me up in this time are the prayers of the church. And I think that that's why it's so important for us. Like we have these, the communication cards that we put out every week and I, we always encourage you guys to fill those out and pass them down. It's because we truly, truly, truly believe that the prayers of the body of believers make a difference. We truly believe that as, as, as a pastor, uh, if I intercede on your behalf, like the, God pays attention to that, right? And not just me, like special pastor guy is the only one that can do it. But if you notice, Paul's like the pastor of these people, but he's saying, you, church, your prayers are helping me. And so it kind of goes both ways. Like You have that same capability, that same power in you to be praying for each other, to be heard by God, for God to move on your behalf, for God to change circumstance on your behalf. Through your prayers, like that, if nothing else, the fact that the God of the universe, the creator, literally, if you breathe, <sighs> exhale, that stuff that you just did was given to you by God. The very breath in your lungs are put there by, is put there by him, and he's saying, man, if you, if you would pray, I'll hear you. I pay attention, right? Now, he's not just saying, I'm a genie in the bottle, rub the lamp, and I'll do what you want, but he's saying, I hear you. And I think that's, that's huge for us as a church to never, never, never forget that. Never forget that. So moving on, verse 20. says, My eager expectation and a hope is this, that I will not be shamed about anything. But now that, uh, as all, with always, with all boldness, Christ will be highly honored in my body, whether by life or by death. So now we're starting to see the way Paul thinks. A little bit, and it's kind of scary, right? Like, it's kind of scary. It's kind of like I just sometimes I imagine Paul's this really intense guy all the time, right? Like, when he's talking to somebody, he's like, My eager expectation is hope that I won't be ashamed by anything, but with boldness, Christ be honored my life or my death. They're like, Bro, you need to take it down a notch, just a little scary, just a little intense. But I think that if maybe if you don't, maybe not with that intensity, you know, but if you think about him just speaking, look, my hope is that whether it's been my life or my death, Christ is honored through me like the way that what he's saying is the way that i live my life jesus would be honored in that jesus would be proud of that jesus would be seen through that the way it, like like i know that a lot of times we think of this in like a big scale like the way i live my life like if i'm a missionary to africa but he's talking about like the way that you treat the baristas at starbucks god would be honored in that does that make sense the way that you treat your neighbors, God would be honored in that. The way that you speak to people, the way that you spend your money, God would be honored in that. The way that you make decisions for your family, God would be honored in that. It's, it's, it's actually a lot more applicable to our daily life than we sometimes realize. Sometimes we just think of it as like this big pie-in-the-sky idea, but he's saying like, no, like the decisions you make, the way you speak, what you are doing today, Christ would be honored in that. Christ would be glorified in that. Christ would be glorified in that. So my eager expectation and hope is this, that I will not be ashamed about anything, but that now as always, with all boldness, Christ would be highly honored in my body, whether by my life or my death, for me, living is Christ and dying is gain. So now as we're seeing this mindset, we're beginning to see how it is that that. I think in some ways, how Paul's been able to, to sit in jail and worship, how he's able to see people through a missionary mindset, how he's encouraging us to grow in our love for one another, using our suffering uh, to reach other people. And I think that the key is um, found in that, where he says, For me, living is Christ. Right? This huge, this famous text, For me, living is Christ and dying is gain. And it's like, in the story earlier, when we talked about how um, we will do everything we can to fight and scrap and save life to be alive. But we ask the question when we are alive, what are we living for? And I think what we see is that Paul is saying that for me, the thing that I live for, my life is found in Christ. So the way that this translates is, is to live is Christ. The idea that Paul is trying to betray to the church is is this idea of um, when he says living is Christ, what he's saying is living is Christ, purpose is Christ. Hope is Christ, meaning is Christ. He's saying my center, my foundation, my base is Christ. My power is from Christ. He's saying everything that I am, all that I am founded on is Christ. My purpose, my self-worth, my meaning is Christ. To live is to live for Christ. And I think that as, as we talk again about what, how this just applies for us, I think that that's so applicable for us in DFW, man. Like the way that I... So how do I say this? So I, I grew up here, I lived here my whole life, and then I moved away for seven years and then came back. And when I came back, my eyes saw some things that I had never seen before. Does that make sense? Sometimes it takes you leaving a situation and being outside of it and then coming back. And what I saw in this place, my home, this place that I love so much, um, it kind of bothered my soul a little bit. And what I mean by that is that so much, and it's probably not, it's definitely not just here, it's the world, but so much in Dallas-Fort Worth, and I think it's because it's such a successful place, such a prosperous place, such a, a great place, but so much of, if we were to say, what is to live is what, our foundation is what, our purpose is what, um, our, our hope is what, so much here, the answer, even though we would answer Christ, what the truth would be, my hope is, or my foundation is, or my, my, my uh, purpose is, would be work or building financially, or like it would be filling in the blank with something totally other than that. And I know that's true everywhere else, but what bothered me, what scared me, is that we would answer with Christ, but that that wouldn't be the way that we live our life. Does that make sense? And so for Paul, we had this beautiful thing where he's saying like, uh, for him to live is, Christ to die is gain because he sees if I'm alive, if I 'm here, i 'm going to live everything I am, everything I 'm founded in my hope is found in Jesus, but to die is actually better for me because I love, I want to be with Jesus. It sounds morbid, right? A little bit like as a pastor, I'll be kind of honest, be transparent, and you know you can kick me out for this, I guess, um, but I'm not really at that place yet where I 'm like, Kill me baby, I just want to see Jesus I'm not quite there yet. I hope that I get you know maybe I don't know. I love Jesus a lot, but I'm still a little bit scared of death, okay? I don't know if I'm supposed to say that, but, but it is true. It is true. But I appreciate about Paul that he's saying, if I'm alive, everything I am is going to be founded on, everything I am is going to be chasing, everything I am going to be about is Jesus. But he says, but to die is actually even better because I get to go be with him. It's actually, it's like the word that he uses there for depart, is, it's a nautical term. And the idea behind it is like a ship leaving, um, setting sail back for home. That's really cool, isn't it? And so he's saying, hey, for me to depart, for me to go, it's, a, it's, I'm going home, baby. But I think that, so the way he fills that in is actually better to live. I live for Jesus, but to die is actually gain. But if we were honest, we could fill in that blank ourselves, right? And it might be to live is, I don't know, money. Well, then to die would be what? To be poor and broke. To live is uh, move up in my job. Well, then to die would be to lose my job. You see what I'm saying? I want to challenge us and encourage us as a church to step back and ask ourselves, if we were to fill in those blanks today, what would that look like for us? For sometimes, sometimes it's even noble things. Hey, to live is to see my kids do well. To die would be for my kids to not do well. That's that's good, right? I mean, I want Gideon, dude. I want him to like conquer the world. I don't want him to be president. That there's a lot of <laughs> scrutiny that comes with that. But maybe a dictator, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, but even then, if that's my foundation, if that's what I'm living for, that's that's still wrong, you know. It, that's still not that's still not because to die would be for him to not be successful. And that would mean that my life, my foundation is based in that. I'm swayed in that. I'm shaken by that. But so for Paul to be alive means he gets to live for Jesus and to die is gain because he gets to be with Jesus. And I think that what he's saying in here is that my heartbeat is Jesus. All right. Did you guys maybe you guys did you we went to church camp growing up, and we always used to sing that that really dumb song. Every breath I breathe, I breathe in you. You, might, you all know what I'm talking about. I never understood it, but we had some really fun motions that went with it. But I think maybe that's a little bit about what Paul's talking about here. It's like for me to live is to be alive in Christ. Everything I think about, my hope, my joy is in Jesus. And I think that, I think that as we peel that back, we're able to see why Paul has what seems to be the superhuman capacity to do some things. But really whenever his hope and foundation really is Jesus, it makes a whole lot more sense why he would walk into a situation into a new town and come into contact with people he doesn't know and he's not worried about looking cool or he's not worried about um like awkward situations. He's not wor- like what he's worried about is introducing them to Jesus. He's, he's, does that make sense? Why we could see Paul sitting in jail, and he's not like feeling sorry for himself, but he's like, hey, my present situation can be used um, for the uplifting and building of God's kingdom, so I'm just going to witness to this guard until he tells me to shut up or beats me, right? I'm going to praise Jesus. Why we see Paul, why he can say, hey, man, suffering is, is something that can be used to show others Jesus. He he understands that, hey, suffering is just temporary circumstance that I'm living in for today, but my future isn't founded in today. My future is founded in Jesus. And hey, man, when I die, that's even better because I get to go be with him. And so why even in like the midst of sickness and torture Paul can worship because his present if he Paul's true mindset is this, man, even if suffering is what God wants to use and chooses to use for other people to know him through my life, then I'm great with that. It probably took him a long time to get there. Again, Pastor Moment, I don't want I want God to like use me like health wells, like give me millions of dollars, and let me use that for Jesus. You know, like if I had a choice. But I would hope that my heart would be that, right? That, that if I, something like that happened in my own life, I wouldn't be able to say, hey, this is just a temporary circumstance. Even if it's to death, it's still a temporary circumstance. Does that make sense? Even, even if it's something that takes me to death, it's still a temporary circumstance because as a Christian, we have a hope that's not just founded in the 80 years that we get here on this planet. We have a hope that's in Jesus that is eternal, and so we get to say, we're not living for things of this world, but we're living for things that are not of this world, spiritual things, heavenly things. It's, it's a beautiful mindset that as Christians, we get the privilege of having and living in if we so choose, if we walk in the Spirit, if we choose to have that mindset. Because there's a lot of Christians that, and I've been that way a lot of times in my life, probably I will be on Monday, where I haven't had that mindset. Right? But this, it's a beautiful opportunity that we get to choose, and so we're challenged to answer the question, what do we live for? And, and to me, it's a really practical question. So how do I do that daily? I think we talked about that a little bit, um, but I wanted to read you this poem. I wrote a poem, guys. I didn't write a poem. I'm just kidding. But it's from this guy, St. Patrick, who gave us this really great holiday and drove out a bunch of snakes from Ireland. Actually, he was a one of the, an incredible missionary. So um, I won't go into it, but he wrote this poem, or it's not a poem, it's actually a prayer. And I love it. And uh, I think that it kind of illustrates somebody's mindset that Christ is their foundation and that to, to truly can say to live is Christ. I'm just going to read it to you. It says, As I arise today, may the strength of God pilot me, the power of God uphold me, the wisdom of God guide me. May the eye of God look before me and the ear of God hear me. May the word of God speak for me. May the hand of God protect me. The way of God lie before me. The shield of God defend me. The host of God save me. May Christ shield me today. Christ with me. Christ before me. Christ behind me. Christ in me. Christ beneath me. Christ above me. Christ on my right. Christ on my left. Christ when I lay down. Christ when I sit. Christ when I stand. Christ in the heart of everyone who thinks of me. Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me. Christ in every eye that sees me. Christ in every ear that hears me. Amen. I love that, man. That, that last part, Christ in the heart of everyone who thinks of me. That means whenever the way that I live my life, when someone thinks of Michael Gerald, let them think of Jesus. love that. Christ's in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me because they can't speak evil of me because all they can say about me is Jesus. Christ in the eye of everyone that sees me, Christ in every ear that hears me. I I want this to be my life, the story of my life, right? And I can't say that it is all the time. Katie could definitely tell you that it's not all the time, right? But I hope And I pray that as a church family and as individual Christians that this could be our ambition for the way that we live our lives. And the truth is that it's a combination of of definitely a mindset that we choose daily. But what really, when I say mindset, what that really is is us choosing to walk in the Holy Spirit. And what that really is is the grace of God and the Holy Spirit transforming our heart and our mind and our soul that this, this prayer can become our heartbeat as a people and as Christians. Paul goes on in verse 22. He says, Now, if I live on the flesh, this means faithful work for me, and I don't know which one I should choose. I am pressured by both. What he's saying there is, I have this desire, well, I guess I'll just read it, because he actually says it. I have the desire to depart and to be with Christ. So Paul has the desire to depart, go to heaven, and be with Jesus. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary for you. Since I am persuaded of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for progress and joy in the faith, so that because of me, your confidence may grow in Christ Jesus when I come to you again. And what Paul's saying is there's this deep desire in me that I really, really, really want to go and be with Jesus. I really want to go see him. And he said, but, but what's better for you, church, is that I stay here longer so that I can help you grow in your faith. So that, that, I, want, that I stay here longer so that God can use my life even more so that everyone I meet, I can be a witness for Jesus. I can speak the truth of Jesus. I can glorify Jesus in my life. And so what Paul's saying, because I understand this, that means maybe it's probably better that I hang out here longer so that more people can know about Jesus. It's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. You guys come on up. I, I think that as as a church and as people... Um, if I raised my hand and was like, hey, is anybody ready to go and be with Jesus? If we were like real Christian-y, we'd probably raise our hands and be like, take me now, Jesus, I love you. But if we're honest, we would probably like to hang out here a little bit longer, right? And I would like to say and encourage us that if that's what's going on, if that's what we're gonna do, if that's what God has given us, the gift of life that he's given us, why don't we take that and use that for him? Why don't we make the choice to daily Live for him to daily make that our heartbeat. And so I want to challenge you again. I'm going to give you homework again for all of us is when you go home, I want you to have conversations with your families, with yourself, with each other, husbands, wives, kids, maybe, and ask yourselves that question what, what is our heartbeat? What is the question? What do we live for daily? Can I truly say that um, to live as Christ? Or if you were to fill in that blank, like we could talk about the blanks, to live as Christ to die as what? if we really do some soul searching, what would you fill that in with, right? So I want to ask you guys, let's stand, and and we're just going to maybe take some time here to pray and ask that question of ourselves. We have a beautiful opportunity as Christians to live in that. Like, it's not a burden, it's actually a hope and a good thing. Are the goals that we would be a people and we would be a church that could honestly say, Jesus isn't just some addition to my life, but that Jesus is my life, that we could pray the prayer of St. Patrick. As I rise today, may the strength of God pilot me, the power of God uphold me, the wisdom of God guide me, the eye of God look for me, the ear of God hear me, the word of God speak for me, may the hand of God protect me, the way of God lie before me, the shield of God defend me, the host of God save me, may Christ Show me today. Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ when I lay down, Christ when I sit, Christ when I stand. Christ in the heart of everyone who thinks of me, in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me, in the eye of everyone who sees me, and Christ in every ear that hears me. Amen. Let's worship the Father and let's pray that that could be our heartbeat. What a joy it would be to live in that.